0: hello welcome to episode number four of brew with bottle today's episode is going to be split up into three parts um it's such a long recording um but there is so much good information uh, contained that rather than try and have you listen to it over a three-hour period i thought i'd break it down into uh three blocks so um here is an interview i did last week with north north enjoy and here is part two <music>
1: Through with bottle,
0: please, please do,
1: please do. Um, just getting back to the main point because we have kind of taken a few tangents. But um...
0: welcome to my world of podcasting. We always take tangents.
1: <laughs> so um, you know, we, 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 there's kind of that decision that um, assuming there was cobalt at um, at javier one, which at the moment it doesn't seem like it is. But if there was, um, you'd have to be weighing out what you're going to use. But even in terms of gold, copper um, processing plants in the future. Um, you know, cyanide is really nasty stuff to work with, so it it is far from ideal in terms of safety and in term, you know, even from environmental factors. So I definitely see it to be likely that the process won't be around forever, especially because you've got increasing pressure coming from the environmental side. So I really don't think there'll be any significant changes to the to the processing methods to be more um, environmentally accommodating at Telfer, given that. Um, we're already in the good book with institutional investors um, regarding our carbon footprint because we're an underground mine, Um, so it's it's going to be significantly lower relative to open pit mining. Um, and because we have that infrastructure in place for processing, we're cutting the the material and environmental costs of that development to to nearly zero. Mm. So those benefits will greatly outweigh the benefits of developing a cyanide free process um and that's that's all ignoring the fact that there isn't really a lexiviant which can mm-hmm. replace cyanide in terms of efficacy um i know barrack has designed a new processing plant which uses i think it's thiosulfate for leaching um but it, it follows the same problem as every other alternative process involving any reagent with thiosulfates or thiouria or bisulfides which is that the, the cyanide coordination complex with gold is far more stable, like I said, and um, the reason for it is in part due to the hard soft acid base theory, which I described. Yeah. Um, and the consequence of it is that the conditions for leaching would have to be much better controlled than if you were to use cyanide. So in a world where the environment becomes um, more important, it will become even more difficult to extract multiple metals from an ore. So I really don't see a future where advances in metallurgy make cobalt any easier to extract as part of the polymetallic ore. Um, and another consequence of non-cyanide lixiviant processes is that the gold recovery will be easily affected by the adsorption of reagents or precipitation of gold into gang material. And that's going to be very detrimental to the gold recovery. Um, we see that at Acadia with copper associating with gang material. Um, that could be another conversation in itself. But, um, Barrick have obviously seen the benefits of thiosulfate leaching. But, and even if it's more complicated, and despite the drawbacks, if you can control the system tightly enough, then you can get quite advantageous gold yields and low reagent consumptions with specific types of ore. So there's definitely a space for cyanide free methods in the future, but I imagine they'll be they'll be highly specific to each mining operation. and um, it'll be more difficult to extract multiple metals from one deposit. Um, and given the specificity of the process, I can see it being quite research intensive and very time consuming. So in the context of Javier on when you Chris to racing to get us to production, I don't see any possibility of them changing anything for us.
0: No, uh, no, that, I mean, that makes sense when you, when you, when you say it like that, and, and it's maybe that they've with their, um, it wasn't chloride. Was it that you said, sorry, I'm on their, I'm on their website, barracks website, and they've got a chloride leach project. That's not what um, you meant, I'm, is it?
1: I'm not following Barrick and all oh, the no. different processing uh, plants they have, but uh, it I is must... biosulfate, right, so... which is one of the examples of one of the processing plants that they've got. Uh, my my uh, point
0: being is, is that maybe they've got a diff- completely different makeup of, 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 meta, of, of, of rocks and they have to use this different, proges- this different process, which, which gives them their better return, which wouldn't work for our pyrites.
1: Um, I think it's just I think it's one of these things where, as time goes on, the environment's becoming an increasingly significant factor in mining um and with the cyanide, although it's extremely effective, you know it's been around for for over a hundred years for good reason right yeah, um and it's it is kind of like the gold standard, this carbon in leaching process um with 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 a lot of different processing plants that look to extract gold because it works so well. Um, but as the environment becomes more important, then I think it's something where companies are starting to look at other methods for leaching because they can't it's it's not going to be around forever um if if the pressure continues um from that angle and it might just be that they've they've designed a process which works well enough um and it's going to you know it's going to be beneficial environmentally um so even though it might not necessarily be as effective as using cyanide, they found a very specific metallurgical process which works well for them. Um, so you know, a, a, a slight compromise with the yield. Maybe it's not a compromise. I don't know exactly, but um, it, it's it, you know it's not going to be as effective as, as cyanide. Yeah. Um. So they'd have to really have found a really uh. Good sweet spot with the metallurgy with all the different conditions um to make that work on the same level um but it's you know why why is Sean day advertising the, the carbon footprint um being lower than open pit mining and why is he talking about the benefits of having essentially a brownfield exploration site with the processing plant um the, you know for the processing plant it makes sense from a capital expenditure perspective but also from an environmental perspective and uh, you know he's talking about the carbon footprint because Institutional investors seem to be quite hot on that topic at the moment.
0: They want to see that happening, don't they? They want to see what people are doing to to bring that waste and 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 that 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 footprint down. So, I would expect the trucks, if not yet in the next ten years, that go to Telfor, however they do it, to be battery powered and and all those kinds of things, so that the the footprint is as small as it can be with with zero risk to the to the environment yeah for sure barracks website is very interested in that sense they uh they've very bigging up themselves at talking about how amazing they are at their tailings and how they look after their mercury and how they look after their recycling bins they've got a picture of a someone putting paper in a recycling bin i'll walk away from that see this is the problem i end up on google and i end up asking all sorts of questions and we end up moving away from the topic of conversation that we're supposed to be having i would never be good as a parkinson type interviewer well
1: i mean you mentioned the tailings but um i would imagine that um if they're trying to process the cobalt if there is cobaltite in in javier on which i imagine is probably what's responsible for some of those um um those higher cobalt um drill results that we might have found intermittently. Yes,
0: um they measure it in parts per uh, million, which which doesn't help when you're measuring everything else in grams per ton.
1: Well, the gold is measured in parts per million as well, but um it's just kind of converted to grams per ton. As well. so, it's a similar story with cobalt.
0: Okay. um I
1: think usually they record it as a percentage, similar to okay. copper. um But you know, you might see cobalt in the tailings, and they might design you know a way to process. The cobalt in the tailings i don't see them doing it in the concentrate at all but um if you know it would it would probably come out with the gang material and the, as the tailings and maybe if there's a design that's taken place or you know that's made to process the cobalt there then you might have something worth looking at um so but it's, it's not something that's been designed yet no I'll put it that way okay. so it's it's all ifs and maybes but i'm sure it might very well happen in the future well, i
0: mean it's what they've just done at cager isn't it with the um, molybdenum i had to think about how process said that then that you know where, where where they've established the plant they've got going in and, and now years down the line they're now going to start releasing the molybdenum from the process because they can afford to
1: yeah and um at, with molybdenum it's it's more feasible to extract compared to cobalt um yes so they've 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 built a processing plant separate to the one that they already had to extract molybdenum from the copper concentrate. And the I think the copper gold plant is currently yielding eighty percent gold, eighty-five percent copper, and then the molybdenum plant is like something like seventy percent molybdenum right. um yield. So the I think the, they've also got a significant amount of silver over there, so they can also get some silver credits from their final concentrate and their and their uh, derays that they that they form. But um they have to compromise the yield for for extracting other metals, and it's quite common in porphyry deposits like the one they have, I believe. So yeah. um, it's, a, it's a similar game where they've obviously seen that there's enough molybdenum there, um, and that if they designed a new processing plant doesn't necessarily replace the other one, um, but if they made a new one, then the the capital expenditure and, um, and all, all the costs that would be associated with designing it. Um, not and that coupled with the, you know, what potentially the loss in yields. Um, I'm not sure. But um they would have already compromised the the yields to make sure they can get gold, copper and silver. Um, you know, they've obviously seen that as a net benefit. Um and they were talking about it for a while, I believe, as well. It wasn't something that just came out of the blue. Yeah. Um, so if if we had a similar thing going on here, which I don't think we ha- don't I don't think we do it have here because 'cause we're not a poor free deposit where we've got kind of um you know a polymetallic um you know ore going on. Um if we if we I don't think it's a sim the sort the sort of thing that we would expect to have. And uh, but if they did, then um they'd obviously have made it clear in advance they'd have they'd have to do all the associated studies with it and they would have had to have decided, well, um compromising the yield is worth it so th- but there is always a compromise with these things it's never a, it's never that you get an extra bonus
0: no that 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 makes sense and it, yeah you, you just got you've got to compromise f- for what you're there for and at the end of the day it, it, it's gold copper isn't it so uh, the peak the peak oh move the mouse uh 1427 parts per million was your peak cobalt out of had nine if anyone was interested i've just got that there um
1: yeah i think that equated to 0.4 right okay um which is what
0: they've got copper actually the copper there um uh, so had nine returned oh, as an upper lower a peak gold in had nine was four grams per ton peak copper was 2.77 and a peak cobalt of 14.27 parts per million
1: yeah and i mean something i think i, I don't want to be a um, I don't want to be a party pooper or anything, but with, with a lot of the, you know, at the time Greatland was a very early stage exploration company. Yes. It didn't really have much going on. No. Um, So it didn't have, it didn't have the, it didn't have the same prospects as now, put it no, that has now. Um, so it's very common to advertise what you've got in a certain way and play to different, different investors. So You know the way the the language of it saying peak levels. Um, it's I would it's it would be more. I don't want to say responsible, but it would be more reliable information to whoever's reading it, to just tell people what the average grade was or what they overall finding. Yeah, and how that relate and how whether that was consistent. But they 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 said peak levels and they didn't go over what um over what intervals it could have been half a meter it could have been a 10th of a meter it could have been a hundred meters but they don't say and it's it was i think a lot of it is to kind of generate interest in investing in the company
0: yeah i mean at that time it was uh, and fair play to them at that time scream it from the rooftops because hey we found we found an ore body we found something we've got something to scream and shout about um yeah i mean yeah when you look at it 19 meters 30 meters 4.5 meters um they're all very small intercepts along that i was headache but yeah they're all small intercepts so that makes sense okay before i wrap this up because we have we've gone for a marathon session on this one um is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we wrap this up
1: well there was but it would it would take a bit longer
0: so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no man, I, I I can keep going. It's fine. I tell you what we'll oh, do. Yeah. Let's 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 part two this, right? So uh, thank you all very much for listening, and I will check in all with you in our next episode uh, with North. And welcome back. Thank you all very much. I uh, hope you enjoyed that previous episode. I'm here with North, and um, we've got some more things we want to talk about. So uh, North, North, let's talk about it. What, what do you want to talk about?
1: Well, it wasn't it wasn't a hell of a lot more to talk about, but um it was it was it probably would have ended up with a few tangents. So but I figured <laughs> you know because well. we were talking about I figured it might be worth talking about Cadia a bit more, um, because that's been kind of looked at as an example, um, because it's under Newcrest's umbrella. And then also I thought it might be good to talk a little bit about the metallurgical testing that they did at Antipa because they're in the Paterson. They found something relatively similar to us, and they they did try to extract cobalt alongside gold and copper. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of explain what the results actually were to illustrate whether or not it's it's feasible. Because obviously I'll have my own interpretation of what the results were, but other people might think that um, it, it's it's worth pursuing. Okay. So. Yeah, cool.
0: So let's talk about Cadia. What 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 do you like about Cadia?
1: Um. Well, I, I'm quite interested in these porphyry deposits. If I'm honest with you, um, because they can produce more than two different metals, um, it's not uncommon to see at all. Um, but the thing that I, the thing that I thought was interesting is that there was um, a post that was shared once about making the ore coarser, like they did at Kadia, to improve the copy yields at Telfer. But um, I just kind of wanted to explain why I don't think that will happen because. Um, I think it helps illustrate the the picture with um, processing plants and metallurgy a bit more. Okay. And um, yeah, so I mean, over there, it, it's a low grade porphyry copper gold molybdenum deposit, um, with the silver as well. And all the there is chalcopyrite, and it's got some it's got some bornite association as well. And the, but there's a lot of uh, gang material um, with it with it. Um, And then they have the molybdenite, which is the source of their molybdenum. Um, And it's quite commonly associated with pyrites, chalcopyrites, quartz. Um, It's quite common in porphyry deposits, generally speaking. Um, So I imagine that was why it was on Newcrest's radar quite early on. But at their processing site, they they produce a a gold-copper flotation concentrate and a gold bullion. So the the copper ore there is crushed, and then it, Undergoes a quick flotation, and the gold gravity product is used to form like a semi pure gold bar or doré, um, and then the concentrate which floats to the top is processed further to achieve a final concentrate. But the thing there is um, the, the whole issue with the coarser grain with the coarser grains was that um, over seventy five percent of the copper in the tailings it's kind of like this um, it's like a fine grained copper sulfide which is associated with the gang material. And that's been their primary loss from the flotation circuit, But given that they are, that they are copper gold mine. So primarily they look at copper or they look to extract copper. Um, they're going to want to optimize their copper grades or the copper yields as much as possible. Sorry.
0: Which is working for them, so, given the fact that they're willing to sustain costs to giving them money back.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, um, so, so they started toying around with it and, um, so with, with the flotation. It's um, which is you know it's it's a method which you can use. It's a, it's a wide. It's a method you can use um, specifically for different processes, but it it just describes a, a wider, a wider method. But um, it's driven by a lot. The flotation is driven by a number of factors, um, and surface exposure is one of the more significant drivers of floatability. So, as the size of the surface exposure of the of the sulfide decreases, the less floatable the material is. So you want to grind it up quite finely to achieve a good amount of surface exposure and therefore floatability to make the process easier. Um, I think with, with composites with more than 50% sulfide surface exposure, the recovery rate is about 95%. It's definitely above 90%. Wow. It's very high. That's a lot, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And whereas if it was 10 to 25% sulfide surface exposure, then the recovery, it it, it drops significantly. It, it, it's about 50%. Um, so it's a double-edged sword for the Metcadia where they need the finer particles to achieve a more floatable um, composite for a higher yield. But the fine-grade sulfides have been the primary factor in their yield losses. So they there, there's a patented technology which started being looked at last year, um, I think, and it was designed to... Reduced limitations given by coarser particle sizes, which resulted in less sulfide surface exposure, and um, that's the thing being referred to when they said at Cadia they ground their ore less finely, so beforehand there was some research that found that there are three hydrodynamic zones in flotation cells which influence the the efficacy of the of the mineral flotation. Um, so you've got like a like a turbulent zone. And that will suspend the solids in solution, and it disperses the gases which are being bubbled into the cell, and you've also got uh, something called a quiescent zone, where you have the particles collect on those bubbles and they rise through the pulp, and then you've also got a froth zone which um segregates those bubble particle aggregates from the gang material or the um or the um or the gang particles I should say, which exist between those bubbles. Um And the stability of the bubbles when the particles gather on them is really important um so the hydrophobicity of the of the finer particles is a factor that drives higher yields when you crush the ore finely um and then with the with the coarser particles being less hydrophobic they they readily detach from the bubbles um so with with like hydrophobic and hydroph- uh it, it meaning that it it almost repels from water because waters a polar um is like a polar molecule. So um anything that's nonpolar um uh, will generally um you know that's on a on an intermolecular level or anything that's um or on a or on a molecular level anything that's nonpolar it will it'll that it won't be able to form intermolecular bonds as easily with um something that's polar. Okay. Um so almost result,
0: almost like the poles of the North and South Pole where they are magnets where they push away from each other.
1: Sure, it's one way of looking at it, but and it's like instead of if you've got one magnet, you've got another magnet, or they're both polar and they they will naturally want to associate. Whereas with something that's polar and something that's not polar, I don't know, maybe like a water bottle or a mug or something, I don't know what you want. Yeah. Use an example, it's not gonna want it's you're not gonna have any sort of attraction between the two. Right. Um so that sort of idea. Um whereas you have something that's um hydrophilic and that means that it will want to associate with, with something that's with water. Yeah. So um anyway um, the, the hydrophobicity of the, of the finer particles is a factor which drives higher yields when you crush the ore finely. Um, and the coarser particles are less hydrophobic. So they, they readily detach from the bubbles. So the idea with the bubbles is that you've got, um, you know, cause they're filled with air, that's where anything that's hydrophobic would naturally want to go to because then it could form associations or it'll be, there'll be less repulsive force. Uh, by being by aggregating on the bubble than being within a polar solution. So the the different zones in one flotation cell um, can cause problems as well for, for coarse particle flotation. Um, and in the turbulent zone, collisions are more frequent, um, which can detach the particles from the bubbles. So you need a cell which has a large focus on the quiescent phase to maximize aggregation of the bubbles um, with the particles. Um and then so basically Acadia to get to the point is that the hydrofloat creates like an aerated bed and the feed is introduced to the top of the apparatus um and fine bubbles are introduced at the midpoint of the apparatus. So the result is that the bubbles are introduced directly into the fluidized bed and that increases the, the chance of bubble particle collision. So if you've got if you've got the particles being introduced at the top and the bubbles being introduced below then it basically makes it very difficult for the particles to get to the bottom of the unit where the tailings exit without hitting a, a bunch of bubbles right so it essentially forces the particles to aggregate with the bubbles more uh, more so than you with a normal flotation cell
0: i think I, I think i get that that that's some serious next level stuff like that's not GCSE level um is it so you've you, i i listened very um deeply there and I think I got it. So, so essentially, these are these are microscopic pieces of ore, rock, gold, copper, whatever we've got at this point that are then clinging to these bubbles.
1: Yeah, and you want to make sure. Basically, the idea is with the finer particles, they're going to want to associate with the bubbles more readily than if you had coarser particles. So that's it's not it's not always the case, but generally speaking, that's the that's why. Um, you you want to grind your ore quite finely when you're doing flotation. So
0: how do we get it all back together? How do we get um, to a bar of? It is a bar, isn't it? They producing producing Cadia?
1: Well, this this uh, with with Acadia, I mean, there's, there's still more about the uh, about the about the, oh oh you know, please go for it. Sorry. So, so you know, if when when you've got the a high chance of the collisions happening, um, then. Yeah. It forces the particles to aggregate with the bubbles basically when you're doing the flotation that's what rises to, to answer your question you know uh very briefly it's basically when you have all those um particles float to the top you are concentrating for example um the the gold and copper particles at a certain point within within the cell um so when you're floating you're literally floating all of the gold and copper to the top and then when it floats you know, it eventually floats goes through an overflow um through the you know, out of the top so it literally just bubbles over. Okay. Um generally speaking, you're gonna have a lot of you know all of your gold and copper is gonna float to the top and so it concentrates in one specific area of the of the apparatus. So that's the general idea of how you end up with your with your copper concentrates. Right. Um but to get back to the hydro float, there's there's like there's more to it. So there's a surface between the top of the hydro float and the midpoint where the bubbles are coming from. So if any particles don't float straight away, then they'll just sit on that surface until there's enough bubbles that accumulate from below and transfer to the overflow above where the floating concentrated um, exits, like I said. So the design wouldn't actually make a coarser particle achieve a better yield than finer particles in lots of circumstances, but it does reduce the amount of copper lost as a result of finer particles associating with gang material. Um, So it's all specific to the to the dominant mineralogy and what the primary resources they're looking to extract um so at, you know at telfer where um you've got a different mineralized system it's not necessarily going to be applicable um what they do at cadia to what they do at telfer they don't have enough of a problem with the gang material to justify the expense of installing the new separators and then having to tinker about with all the logistics um you know, reworking the processing plant um you know doing all the experiments and studies that are associated with with it beforehand and there's a there's a very specific optimal grain size for the ore of each system so the yield won't necessarily improve at other operations just because it worked for one and um, because gold is a primary product at telfer they'll they'll much sooner compromise any copper yield in exchange for higher gold yield whereas at Cadia, the the copper is the primary metal that they're extracting so naturally and the copy yield will probably be a bigger concern for them which is why they invested and spent that time trying to um, reduce any losses
0: yes um i found a really interesting paper on that actually with lots of pictures and a diagram um uh cleaner circuit optimization at kd operations i don't know if that's any help uh on jamesconnell.com if anyone is following along um I think there's a lot of things in there that were relating to what you were saying. So some of the pictures and some of the images might help along with that. So I thought I'd just mention that.
1: Yeah, if you you look up Hydrofloat, Cadia, I'm sure you'll find, um, like anyone who's wanting to look more into it, they'll be able to find a lot of review papers or um, optimization studies, which kind of explain the background to to the problem they had at Cadia and how they resolved it and usually they're very good they're very detailed so if you are wanting to kind of understand more um why they made decisions at cadia which wouldn't necessarily um translate to other processing plants but it's, it's good for them then um then you'll, you'll be able to find it quite easily so i imagine that website that you've pulled up it's probably fantastic for, for more information yes no
0: certainly a lot more than i could digest Um, I mean, the, the, the the chemical, the the equation that it offered was, um, yeah, I'm not even going to go there because it, it, it it blew my mind. Uh, I'm a very simple person and that was far too much for uh, half 11 at night, Uh, an equation with that many letters and numbers, like there, there just was no numbers in it. It was all letters and none of it made sense. But anyway, okay. So what about with regards to telfa what are we looking to are we are we going to get a gold bar not not a solid gold bar obviously it needs further refining and processing into its into its final state before it ends up at the perth mint but what are we looking to get from telfa what are we sending away at telfa
1: um at telfa i think they usually it's the like i said at the beginning with um how the with the sequential flotation that they use You've got a copper concentrate which you get first,
0: and that's a powder, then, isn't it?
1: Um, it's I mean it's in a when it comes out of the flotation, it's in liquid form. Um, but I think that they dry it usually. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, I, th- I think it's when it comes to selling a copper concentrate, I think it's
1: sold, um, it is a dry powder. And then um, with the gold, then um, it's a similar story where they'll float it, um, and then they'll they'll turn those into gold bars, I imagine. Okay. It's not really been a concern of mine of how they actually what what form the gold comes in. I've just been more interested in the in the processing um, and the metallurgy. Um, it doesn't you know it doesn't matter to me if it comes out as a liquid or a right. solid or whatever, okay. whatever whatever they want to do. I mean with gold it's going to be solid, but um, whether it's in the form of a gold doray or whether it's in in a pure gold bar or whether it's uh, you know it's not been a it's not been a major okay. concern.
0: Would would they have to in terms of uh, of gold once you once you've collected all these little particles of gold would you then melt them to to for it to bond how do you get rid of the cyanide does it just wash off
1: um it doesn't just wash off like i say it's a very very stable it's very it forms a very stable complex with gold so it's quite difficult to to chemically um remove the cyanide okay so it's still
0: it's still part of it at this stage it, one, it, that's a process that it will go through when it goes away to the refiners to become a a proper gold bar as it were
1: um yeah i mean if anyone's ever looked at some of these um some of these uh, illegal gold mining uh groups that's you know you might see them in south africa or zimbabwe or anything like this um quite commonly they just burn it um they because that's what you're doing is you're you're creating you're inputting energy to break those those chemical bonds between the cyanide and the gold and um, and so the gold the, the 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 cyanide will kind of leave as a gas and you end up with the gold binding to itself. But obviously when they're doing that, they're not, they're not thinking about, they're not aware of the, the fumes. I think they are aware of the fumes generally, but, you know.
0: I would imagine um, these places just, just, they, they, they get the one person, just put a t-shirt on over your mouth, you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, they <laughs> just go for it. They're, they're outside and they, they burn it um, on a little, on a little like ceramic plate or something yeah. and, uh, and, um, you know, a lot of people um, get seriously injured from it. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of the methods that you can use. Um, whether they do that in a more controlled environment um, at Telfer or whether they maybe they do have a chemical process to um, to um, displace the, the the cyanide, I don't know. But um...
0: that's fair enough. If if that's not if that's not come up, that's that's something that's something I'd be intrigued to find out. Actually, is what that next process is, what that ne- next step is, and how we. How do we get to the Perth Mint? But that's cool. That's a story for another day. I, I like how we've, we've and we've talked about Sheila and, 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 and Sheila taking us down and now you've taken us to Telfer. So I, I just need to find someone now that um, can process this gold ore for me and uh, make me some money.
1: Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, we'll say that's all just filthy lab coats and those processing plants. Uh, <laughs> none, of, none of those um, hard hats. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, sure. no, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not sure. I'm sure they wear hard hats and there's over there as well but, uh... <laughs> but they've got a lab those, co- those...
0: we've got our lab coats on that's what we should have said at the start of the show poppy lab coat all on. those lab coats with their with their
1: science uh-huh.
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely okay so uh, um bringing it close to home then um antipa what what's what's happened there that um th- that has you linking it to
1: Telfar and and its processes and it's all well it was I I kind of I I kind of wonder if it's related to why they reported the cobalt um in twenty eighteen um don't know for sure but I kind of wonder um if that's why when we got the draw results they kind of published the the cop the, the cobalt um peak peak uh, grades but um with Antipa they they did some metallurgical test work for their Minyari Dome deposit in twenty eighteen okay um. The year before, they did some testing to look at a gold-only extraction process um, using gravity and cyanide leach processing, which um, gave them a ninety-five percent recovery of gold in the oxide ore and eighty-eight percent in the primary ore. That's pretty impressive. So that kind of speaks. That speaks to kind of the the efficacy of using cyanide leach processing right. and uh, any of these sorts of um, cyanide-based lexivants. They are just they are just great for getting good uh, yields, which is at the end of the day what you want. Um, uh, anyway in their 2018 study they did some flotation tests and gravity tests and um it was to try and um i think they had some cobaltite mineral association which they wanted to see if they could exploit um because like i say, they had the telpha but they monitored levels of so it's only because they needed to monitor the arsenic content so they basically tried to blend the cobaltite with the chalcopyrites to try and keep the arsenic levels consistent but um i think i have the I think I have the document here, so if you want I can give you the specific numbers or I can give you the, the long and short of it. Um mm-mm-mm.
0: let's go long and short and then maybe we can link to the document for people to chase it up for their own Okay. For their own uh okay.
1: investigation. I
0: mean
1: That's not the right From one. from the from the top of my head, they basically wanted to get a copper concentrate of over fifteen percent. Um and they wanted to maximise the copper gold recovery whilst minimising um, the, the the cobalt losses, and then also to attain a cobalt concentrate with I think the concentration they wanted was five percent or higher. So those are kind of the grades they were looking at. Um. So in their first test, I think they managed to demonstrate being able to split those concentrates, um, but it was only in the rougher. Um, and their copper and cobalt grades were quite poor, and um, they they repeated the tests and they tried to they tried to basically find a happy medium, but like I've said I've I've said it you know I've said it before it's it's a game of unintended consequences, and um, it's kind of what I've been trying to illustrate, um, for for the last few hours, is um, you know they tried to improve the, the copper or gold grades and then the cobalt grades dropped very severely. Um, And then when they tried to improve the cobalt grades, the gold and the copper grades dropped severely. And any attempt to improve the recovery of the material resulted in the dropping of the recovery of the other material. And they couldn't seem to find any flotation procedure which met all of their target grades. And they couldn't find any process which could produce sufficient yields of all the material. Right. Um, And, you know, I read the report and, you know, when I first read it, um, I was like, oh, wow, this looks pretty positive, actually. Um, they were, they were saying things like, um, like they had, um, they were reporting very positively. They said it was a great report. They're going to look into it more. Um, they reported it all as like peak recoveries with this and similar to the peak mm-hmm. grades found at yeah. Harry Aron, right. And then uh, copper and cobalt could be recovered to two separate concentrates at significant grades and recoveries. But it was, it was a thing where they kind of sellotaped the best results together ignored the fact that when they got the best results, they had to do it at the expense of the yield or the grade of another material which they were trying to get. So it went it kind of went against how they pitched it, the results of the of the study, it went against the spirit of the test work, which was to find a single process which could yield significant amounts of gold, copper and cobalt. Um it's not to say the test work was a failure, because you know it's it's good to try and explore these things. It might have worked, you don't know. Um, and they must have thought at the time there were some unexplored avenues because they said they'd do more test work in the future, um, but I can't find any future releases right. about further test work. And they seem to have, in large part, dropped the whole conversation. You know, um, I think when Telfer reports it, they report the Minari Dome depositors, um, you know, copper, silver, gold, uh, and then when Antipa reports it, they say it's like copper, silver, gold. M- cobalt um and i just i feel like it's one of these things where maybe Newcrest just don't want to touch cobalt i don't know but um they they don't they didn't commission any independent work uh, for themselves um and so they said it was a great thing they're going to pursue further but then they didn't so I, I think it's probably sensible for them because silver can be extracted relatively easily alongside gold so the compromises you have to make on the yields or the grades are much less apparent. Yeah. So even if you have a modest amount of all three metals of like copper, silver, gold, the slight compromise on the yields for all three is outweighed by the additional revenue you make from a third product. Whereas um you know you know if you aren't able to split the copper and cobalt concentrates, then it's important to at least have it in grades which are high enough to make it economical for someone else to separate the metals. Otherwise it's worthless to sell it on and say there's some cobalt in there. So kind of goes back to what was originally being said about you can float the cobalt with the copper and just make someone else deal with it. But is it going to be economical for them to want to deal with it? You know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of part of the equation. And is it worth you going to the expense of saying there's cobalt in there, but maybe not at the best grades? You know, is it worth you going to that expense to have someone else go to that expense? So you've got to assess that part of it. Um, you know, and I th- I don't think you know, like I said, they didn't report the silver in the Javieron um in the Javieron system at revenue generating levels, but um no, they they uh, have it's it it appears every now and again in
0: in certain documentation, but it certainly isn't anything that's appeared in in any RNS that I've seen over the last eighteen months.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I would say it's a very similar story with silverware. They might have hit some silver um it, it seems they played the same language as Antipa was playing because antipo was kind of the first ones on the scene they they got their licenses way before we did um they were they were kind of the ones that were ahead of the game um you know i don't have any um investment in with them so i don't follow them too closely but obviously they're in the region um and i know i kind of have a, a passing familiarity with the, with their background but it seems to me like in 2018 cobalt and was kind of like the hot topic yeah and um so some so with greatland they might very well have reported the peak cobalt levels um trying to attract some investment because obviously you if you say you've got silver zinc lead gold copper cobalt then um you're going to attract you're going to attract all the different investors that might be interested in those sorts of plays. So it makes sense to you to report it without, even if you know that it's not necessarily going to be economical.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense because you don't know who it is you're actually going to attract in the first instance.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Okay. With regards to Newcrest, um, they report gold and copper on their uh, annual resource chart. And then they actually report silver separately. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I can see, there is no silver indicated at Telfer. Cadia, uh, Ridgeway, oh, sorry, Kadia, and then uh, Wafi and Gopu, G-G-G-Glopu, if I've said that right, um, have, have it all. Uh, and it is reported. Um, but there isn't any, by the looks of things, as indicated at being at Telfer
1: yeah and like telfer is um i mean it's not the exact same um type of like style of system as javier is they're quite different in a lot of ways but um something like cadia it's wildly different it's a it's it's a porphyry deposit um so the fact that they can extract silver um, you know, with the gold to raise and get silver credits, yep. it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to because we've got a very different yeah. um, system at, at Javier on, which means that we're going to have, um, you know, silver isn't really in the picture. No,
0: it's it's like baking a cake, isn't it, really? You're baking two very different types of cakes with two very different types of ingredients. But at the end yeah. of the day, you've like, still got cake.
1: With pyrites, ultimately, c- copper and gold are the two metals that you will commonly see yeah. so anything else I don't I really don't think it's going to be um you, m- you might get some very impressive intercepts at very small intervals uh sorry very impressive grades at very small you know intercepts or, or intervals whatever you want to call it but um it's not going to be continuous I don't feel uh, and it's the same thing with the copper the same thing with the zinc same thing with the lead you might get impressive intercepts in very small parts Um, You might find it, you know, loosely scattered throughout the the whole system, you know, but um, ultimately the dominant mineralogy at Javieron is the chalcopyrites, And that's what's going to be the, that's what, that's why they started looking at the golden copper seriously instead of all these other ones. They knew there was chalcopyrites; that was the predominant mineralogy as they did more drilling. And I just suspect that they dropped it and said, look, you know, realistically, that's what we're going to be extracting.
0: Yeah there's no point in reporting something we don't have
1: yeah i mean you, you, with well, you know with the Kriging process um i don't know if you want to talk about how how they actually estimate the reserves
0: it's a very interesting um thing that probably wouldn't hurt for us to cover to be honest with you because there seems to be a lot of different theories and and how we're getting to these figures, and obviously some people come up with crazy numbers, numbers, uh, and others are more reserved. So let let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I personally don't have a specific number in my head about what we're going to expect to have. Um, we can look at kind of um, what they've got in the in the first two hundred meters or the first six hundred and fifty meters, and then say what if you applied that throughout the whole mineralized footprint? But you don't know how far the mineralized footprint is going to go. You don't know how the grades are going to change. Um, you know, it looks like they're getting better as you go deeper. Um, so, I'm you know I'm not one to speculate on the amount we've got, but how they actually estimate the, you know, uh, for like for the December RNS when they when they estimated the, what we had, you've got two different types of like crigging. Um, so you've got ordinary crigging kri- uh, and you've got co crigging. So Um, what's what sorry what's
0: kriging i've not heard of that word before what's what's kriging
1: so it's one of these um it's just this geostatistical um, method that you can use to estimate um so i'll talk about now but um what they did is they kind of tried to represent um the levels of the elements in each block that they used for the mre so the kriging ultimately will you know it's it's a type of um regression method and they'll They'll predict the value of like a given function or equation at a point by calculating a weighted average of the known values in that function. So, to put it in terms, to put it in context of what we actually did, and um, where they've got ten meter by cubed blocks down hole, where they used each block as um, they graded it, um, you'll have you'll have data from drill holes passing through, and I think the drill density was, it was it was like. About a hundred meter, uh, by a hundred meter, okay. hundred or seventy five, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter. And yeah. um, they use the crigging to estimate the levels of elements between the drill holes. Oh. So hey, it's, if, it's slowly starting to come back to me. I have heard of that before. Keep going. Yeah. So if I was to give, isn't I'm not, I'm not giving any numbers from the actual heavy iron deposit, but just for an example. Sure. If I had a drill hole which had two gram per ton gold at a ten meter interval, and it exists. Five hundred meters below the surface, and I've got another drill hole which has six grams per ton gold at ten meter interval, five hundred meters below the surface, and it's five meters away from the other drill hole. Then the the crigging will essentially it will um it will estimate um the increasing levels of gold, and give you a statistically reliable number at whichever point in space between the two intervals you pick. So if you so if you were a space which is in that five meter distance which is closer to the two gram per ton gold um, then you'd have you know the the modeling would predict a grade which was closer to two gram per ton than five gram sorry to six gram per ton whereas if you picked a spot between the two and six meter interval which was closer to the six meter to the six gram per ton sorry so the the two and six gram per ton uh intervals not meters so if you picked a spot which was closer to the Six gram per ton um, interval. Then the modelling will predict a number which is closer to six gram per ton. Um, so let's say it's halfway between the two, it will predict. You know, it, it might predict four gram per ton. Obviously, depending on what's going on, this is a three D model, right? Not just a not just a line. So if you can kind of picture that on a scale, where we've got a bunch of intervals with, uh, you know, with different grades, different elements, and then a three D ore body, then it gives you an idea of what they did um but the importance of having the drill density which allows for more reliable estimations is that if those two drill holes were 100 meters apart and you had no drill holes in between it becomes a lot more unreliable to predict the gold levels between those two points because the grades could change wildly between 100 meters compared to you know compared to yeah meters or 10 meters or So, um, and then imagine if it was 200 meters apart, then it's, you know, a lot can change throughout the system. So
0: this is why, as we go through these different processes of the maiden resource estimate, the pre-feasibility study, and then the definitive feasibility study, these drills have to get closer and closer together each time to prove that what they're suggesting they might have, they have actually got.
1: Yeah, statistically, um, sorry, statistically, I need a bit of drink of water. (laughs) While
0: you're doing that. Um, on the maiden on the maiden resource estimate, um, the ordinary kriging of gold and copper was undertaken into ten by ten by ten blocks and re-blocked into five by five by five blocks. The resource model was dominated, utilizing geological units of the crescent zone, the calcite c- cemented breccia, al- oh, the, the, the ac- actinolite cemented breccia. Hard boundaries used between the three zones. Kriging neighborhood analysis was used to define the search neighborhoods for gold and copper. Gold and copper were estimated independently of each other. I, if anyone else wants to go on uh, you can it also says, I'll let you read it but it also says, <laughs> all mineral resources were interpolated between drill holes Gaps, gap, grade caps used with crescent zone, 40 grams per tonne gold, 30,000 parts per million copper calcite bretia, 24 grams per tonne of gold 14,000 parts per million copper, and actin breccia 19 grams per tonne and 9,000 parts per million which uh, equate to around the 99th, percent, uh, 99th percentiles of composite grade distributions. Uh, that's on the maiden resource estimate if anyone wants to uh, look into that any further.
1: Yeah, and the reason why they'll look at, they'll, why, the reason why they put a cap when it gets too high is because if you started including you know, those, um, they are aberrant numbers, they're not normal. They Are definitely, um, you know, exceptions to the general trend of mineralization. If you include those, it will alter your your kriging, so you're going to get estimates which are, um, which are kind of overestimating what you have, okay? So that's why they end up putting a cap too high when it gets too high at the 99% um, uh, interval or the 99% um, distribution, right? Well, that's fair enough, yeah. So, um Anyway, so the you do get examples because it said there that um well first of all you'll notice that they didn't mention the crackle breccia. They they only they only used the the high grade, you know, the sulfide present zone, and then they used the cemented breccia to to do the crigging. Um it seems like they don't find the crackle breccia has sufficient mineralization to be worth um extracting. Obviously, with the drill results, we're finding that the, a lot of what we thought were crackle breccia is actually cemented breccia. Um, but anything that actually is crackle, it seems like it's not economical to mine. So one of the positives with this latest R&S where we, had, um, we found that there was um, significant mineralization below the cemented breccia into the crackle breccia is that um, effectively you're, you're you're expanding the amount of cemented breccia which increases um, the case but well, you know it makes makes the case more compelling for bulk mining um, in the future if you can try and get rid of as much of that crackle breccia as possible and um, see it as cemented then you're going to end up with a very favorable uh, very favorable bulk mining operation
0: because it's opened up again, isn't it, as we got lower? that I think that's the thing that surprised us recently is the fact that as we've gone lower, it actually looks like the, the cemented, he says, just checking that he's got it the way around. Yes, the cemented pressure opens up even further, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it seems that way. Um, I think there's sometimes the figures aren't too reliable, particularly in Greatlands um, RNSs, because... When they show some of these cross-sections, they tend to use like a plus or minus 100 metre. So anything that you see 100 metres behind or in front of that cross-section, they'll include it. Um, So usually um, it'll be a thing of if you see anything higher grade, that's 100 metres away, they'll bring it into the picture. Whereas with Newcrest, the cross-sections are higher resolution, so you get a more accurate depiction of what's actually, if you were to cut the ore body in half and look at it, you would get a more accurate depiction of what's going on um, at that particular cross section.
0: Okay, I didn't, I did, I didn't know that. I, I
1: genuinely thought that they were the same images. Sometimes they are, but I think, um, I think there was even a conversation today about it, um, um, where people were kind of wondering what, why there was a discrepancy between what what they're showing in the Newcrest figures and what they're showing in the Javier on figures. Um, and it is just down to the the you know the the um, tolerance that they use for the cross sections. Okay. Um. But anyway, so they said that gold and copper was um was measured independently of each other. Um. And I I think they've specified that because you also get co crigging which they've used. So, um, when when you have a particular data point or um, uh, of interest, which is kind of sparse but the you have secondary data that's abundant, then you can kind of look at co-crigging as, as a method for estimating something. Okay. So in the context of um, Javier Ron, um, we might see an abundance of secondary data derived from other types of studies to drilling. Um, and they might use that to estimate the amount of cobalt in the ore body, for example. Or, um, um, you know, because that was one of the ones they did the co-crigging for, wasn't it? Uh, I've moved on.
0: So I honestly couldn't say without checking it again.
1: Co... It was cobalt, iron, and... I want to say sulphur.
0: Correct. I found it yeah. in the Estimation of Modern name Techniques. Oh, Discretionation of 4x4x4, four by four by four, sulphur, iron, and cobalt were estimated by co-krigging the Minimum maximum number in forming composites were 10 and 20 to 24, respectively.
1: Cool, yeah, all uh, right. So, um, um, they might have also looked at levels of cobaltite throughout the old body, so that might have been what they looked at, um, or they might have looked at, um, I, I don't know for certain, but they might have looked at, um, an element which is closely associated with cobalt in that system. So, for example, with cobaltite, um, you have arsenic associated with the cobalt. That's what makes up the mineral. Um, so they might have looked at arsenic levels because they found it easier, um, you know, for example. So they might look at the level, just just to explain what co-crigging is, they might have looked at the level of arsenic and then the krigging estimate for arsenic to indirectly find what or estimate what the level of cobalt is.
0: Yes, there's a whole bunch of but, chemical symbols here. So if I call out the chemical symbol, can you translate them for us? Um, I I know This should be fairly easy So we've got uh, AU and CU Which are obviously Gold and copper Then we've got S Mm -hmm. Sulfur Fe Iron CO Cobalt BI uh, I think it's bismuth I want to say bismuth AS Arsenic PB uh, PB or PD PB B for butter Oh we can come back to that one. It. And then I think it's oh, I'll, I'll get it. zinc and uh nickel being Z N and N I. Okay. So that's 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 what they've used to... Oh PB's lead, isn't it? Oh yeah. I I blame it I've on the time, back. it's got midnight. Oh. The Yeah, so so that's what they've okay. they've they've put it that that is in the estimation and modelling techniques of the uh initial resource estimate. So they've they've capped. They've grade capped. And applied for all variables, and they are the variables.
1: Well, the fact that there's zinc and lead in there, um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know much about the metallurgy for zinc and lead, so I, I, I might actually look into that now. I might write that down. But um, they said that they found good intervals for it, right? Uh... It was, it was like zinc was like above five percent, and lead was like it was, it was above ten percent
0: okay i don't know that's not that's not on this that i'm looking at now so anyway, get that lost was, looking that was,
1: for it. that was in that 2018 report when they found some of these ah, quote-unquote okay. peak intervals so i don't whilst i don't necessarily think i mean there's just speculation sure. and it's um you know but it's something i might look into now is um they might be keeping an eye on those levels to see if um assuming i'd, I'd have to make sure i'd have to check but assuming that the metallurgy is um it, you know it 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 can, it can, it coincides with gold and copper extraction, and um, relatively easily. It might be that they're monitoring the levels of um, zinc and lead. Twelve to oh, sorry, uh, I mean, lead lead's probably one of these more dangerous elements. So it might be that they're looking at lead from a more uh, got to be careful with it's perspective. Sure. It might want to be, but um, with zinc, it might very well. I'd have to check. I'm not saying this is what's happening at all. No. Um, but just to you know, uh, just, the, just pass it out, the report. They might be looking at. In terms of potential extraction, the report from two
0: thousand and nineteen. Um, this is back to had, um, eight, nine, and ten. I think, or seven, eight, nine. I don't know. Um, uh, oh, I see. Reported to market nineteenth of November twenty eighteen. Blah blah blah. Other metals are present in the system, including silver to two hundred eleven grams per ton, lead to to twelve percent,
1: and zinc to five point nine percent. Okay, I can't remember if I got those the right way around or not, but um, yeah, it's... You ha- they they were reported significant. that was the peak level, so it's not, obviously not going to be apparent no. with all of their intercepts. But, but that's what they... also, it's not to say it, it's continuous. But it's interesting that they are monitoring it. Yes, um, I don't know if I'd have to look at other reports again, with like Kadia, for instance, to see what they were looking at, um, with their crigging and co krigging um, to, what, what they were kind of looking at, and maybe see find out why. But um, maybe it's worth an email asking them why. I might email them and ask. But um, you know, I, whilst I don't, I really don't, I really don't think cobalt is something that you can extract um, with gold and copper. You know, I've I looked at, I know the metallurgy, and I, I really don't. I I'd put my money on it not being extracted. Um, but um, I don't know much about the zinc or the lead, so and with the zinc particularly. I, th- I might actually look in to see if um, that's piqued your interest, isn't it? I mean, it's just something I don't know about, so I want to find out about it. It's more likely that it's not going to be. It's not even worth thinking about, um, because I, I think you know I've said it. You know what I've been saying the whole time it's a game of unintended consequences. Yeah. So even if there was something worthwhile there, it's just simpler to go with the Telfer processing plant. But Sean Day, when in his interview in the Q and A. Um, he was asked about petition, like potentially extracting additional products aside from gold and copper, and I think cobalt was the example. They said additional products, for instance, copper, and he basically said no, that the Telfer processing plant is a gold and copper processing plant, yeah. which kind of aligns with what I've been saying. But he did say that they were that it would be part of what they would look at in mine optimization uh, studies.
0: Yeah, um, yeah it, it, if anything, it's something that's going to come five to ten years down the line, not,
1: not now. Yeah. yeah, it's something that I really he said himself. It's not something to expect in the short no. time at all. Be- um, because you've got to think if this
0: is going to be a forty-year mine, at some point the mine what they've got is going to need upgrading and renewing, isn't it? Because of old age and the fact that it just needs wear and tear and repair, so that could be a potential point. Of which they explore potential uh, adding or taking away elements that 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 Newcrest see fit to to make them the most amount of money, isn't it? But it's not something you would consider.
1: Is is that right to consider it like that? Um, I mean, with the Telfer processing plant, I think they're they're constantly maintaining it, so there is a certain amount. If you look at any of their annual report, I think there is a certain um, maintenance cost that's associated with um, Telfer. Yeah. Um. So I think if there was all that was continuously feeding it, it would be around for a long time. But if it was a thing where, I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it is what's happening, but you know, for example, if there was, if there was silver that they found, they didn't do the cragging for silver. If they found enough silver at Javieron, which I'm not. I really don't think it would be the case. But if there was, um, and they found it in significant amounts um you know um good grade good continuity and um, they might consider maybe i don't know the bulk mining process they might think about maybe setting up a processing plant which could deal with the gold copper and silver yeah because with the bulk with the with the bulk mining it's going to be a lot of ore it's going to be a long operation um it's going to be a lot more years than the open stoping or the slc um yeah, especially with this east eastern Breccia, which I think is very exciting. Uh-huh. I'm really interested about the eastern Breccia. Um you know, you've got a you've got a lot and it's still open at depth, so it might even be further than what we've found already. I think there's gonna be a lot of ore, which you know, they're already talking about the optimization process and um, you know, they're already talking about space filling in for the bulk mining. Um so they're they're so they're so far ahead of us in their thinking. And they really are, and so it's one of the levels of confidence that I have. And when when I hear them talking about space filling for the bulk mining, where they're already they're they already in their heads, in my in my eyes they have already in their heads, um, got got all the boxes ticked.
0: Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? They are they are months ahead of any of the information that we can even hope to glean from anywhere. You know, they they know what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it.
1: Uh, whereas we can only hope to know what they're doing. Yeah, we haven't even we don't even know what the situation is with all these uh, with all the cemented breccia within the ore body and this eastern breccia which exists outside of the outside of the sulfide crescent zone. Um, I, I mean, it's with the eastern breccia. If I can see it potentially being a problem in a certain way because they have mentioned about the vertical ore body being beneficial for the mining um So given that it falls outside of that vertical ore body, um, it might it might be a thing where they might have to. I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not exactly one. Of, I'm not a mining. You know, not like on these. I know Richard on Telegram seems to know stuff about the about this sort of thing. Yes, he would um, be the ideal person to speak to on that. I might actually ask him about. I've it. not so seen him for a while.
0: Actually, he's not. Uh, he's not been. I don't know if he's
1: on holiday or something. Oh, I don't see why he'd want to be on that Telegram channel at the moment. <laughs> he said, with, this, with all the weather, the summertime, people, yeah, yeah. Good, good for people to get outside. Um, so, yeah, but I might actually ask him um, what he thinks about that. Brew with bottle.